I want to um, look this morning for a few minutes at something from the life of Abraham. Um, in Galatians 3.29, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, If you belong to Christ, anyone belong to Christ this morning? Yeah, if you belong to Christ, that's us, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what Paul is saying here is that if you have faith in Jesus, that faith goes right back to Abraham and all those that belong to Jesus, all those that belong to Christ, we are heirs and we are recipients of the very same promise that God gave to Abraham. What was the promise that God gave to Abraham? Abraham is it was that God will bless him. Anyone up for that this morning? Yeah, in fact, not only would you be a blessing, but you would, uh, not only would you receive blessing, but you would be a blessing to nations. So imagine if you are going to be a blessing to nations, imagine how much blessing you're going to have to receive. That's a lot, isn't it? Um, uh, you know, um, Chris uh, used a great uh, verse, I think it was from the Passion earlier on, I just wrote it down when he said it, the unlimited riches of his favor. Uh, that's the promise that God gave to Abraham that you would know the unlimited riches of his favor, that you would receive blessing, that you would be a blessing. Abraham received the miraculous power and the promise of God in his life, in his family. He got an inheritance. He saw the favor of God, not only in his life, but to his children, children's children, down to the generations that are even on the earth today. That is the blessing, the promises that God gave to Abraham. And that is our promise and our inheritance that we can claim today. That excite anyone? Good. It should excite you even more. Let's do that again. Does that excite anyone? Come on. Well, you know what? This excited also uh, the Jews in Jesus' time. Because they were going around saying, wow, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We've got all these incredible promises, all these incredible covenants. We've got this incredible inheritance. And Jesus decided to challenge them a little bit. He said this in John 8. If you were Abraham's children then you would do what Abraham did. Um, that didn't go down very well. Um, you know, they were going around, yeah, we're, we're Abraham's kids. You know, we've got all these promises, all these blessings. And Jesus looks at them and said, well, live like it then. If you want to go around claiming that you are Abraham's children, and the same challenge can be said of us today, can't it? Are we doing what Abraham did? So the question is, well, what did Abraham do? Uh, well, Abraham did quite a few things. Um, Abraham believed God. So that would be a good place to start, wouldn't it? Just by believing God. Abraham had faith, the gift of faith. He was someone that believed God even when it seemed impossible. He believed God more than his circumstances, more than his own physical health. He believed God even uh, when it was audacious to believe God. Nevertheless, he trusted God. So if we want to do what Abraham did, number one, we got to believe God. Um, another thing that Abraham did was... Um, he moved about quite a bit. Abraham was the guy that God said, just go. And Abraham was like, well, go where? And God was like, well, I'll tell you that bit later. Just go. Um, and Abraham lived this life of just continually 
pioneering, continually moving, continually being led as God directed him. And so again, if we want to be children of Abraham, if we want to do what Abraham did, um, we've got to move about a bit. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We've got to be guided by God. We can't just settle. We've got to be pioneers who are always moving in to the new things that God's got for us. Another thing that Abraham did was he lived in tents. You can say amen to that one if you like. Um, or don't. I'm not saying amen to that one. Um, you know, Abraham never bought a house. He never built a house. He, he lived in tents because he was looking to an eternal city. And when we talk about living like Abraham, it's a reminder that this world is not our home. It's a world that we're not settling here, that we're not here forever, that we have an inheritance in heaven. There is a city that we're looking forward to. And all the good things that we enjoy on this earth, they're going to pass away. All the bad things that we don't enjoy on this earth, they're going to pass away as well. But he remains forever. His kingdom remains forever. He is our reward. He is our inheritance. So Abraham believed God. He moved about a bit. He lived in tents. And then this is the thing that I want us to focus on for a few minutes this morning. Another thing that Abraham did was Abraham built altars. In fact, four of them. In Abraham's life, you read in the book of Genesis that Abraham built four altars. And if we want to be children of Abraham, if we want to do what Abraham did, if we want to attract the blessing and the favor and the goodness of God, we have to have altars in our lives as well. Um, what is an altar? Um, well, the first thing to say about an altar is that an altar is something that someone builds. Makes sense, doesn't it? An altar doesn't just pop up by chance. If you were kind of walking along and you saw an altar and you would have said to someone, how did that altar get there? The wrong answer would be, well, it just miraculously sprung up. Not someone had to build that altar. There was a structure uh, that someone erected. Um, if we want an altar in our lives, there are certain structures that we have to build into our lives. Certain patterns of behavior that we have to build into our lives. Who knows that spiritual growth does not happen by chance or by accident? Yeah, am I speaking truth this morning? Um, of course, we know that the Holy Spirit is the one that, that makes us like Jesus. He who began a good work in his will will bring it to completion. But who knows, we have to partner with the Holy Spirit. You don't just grow as a Christian by chance or by accident. No, you have to build stuff into your life. You have to structure your life in a way that you can grow into the person that God has called you to be. So building an altar, it means being, uh, being intentional. It means having things in our lives that we class as essential and then structuring our lives around those things. Another thing about an altar was that an altar spoke of sacrifice. That was where people obviously sacrificed animals. They were, it was where they worshipped. It spoke of devotion. If we want altars in our lives, who knows they're going to cost us things? 
There's going to be a sacrifice that's going to be there. Often when we talk about blessing and goodness and favor and inheritance and all that stuff, we don't tend to talk about sacrifice and devotion and surrender. But actually, the altars that we build in our lives, there's a cost. There's a price. There's a sacrifice. And the final thing about altars is that altars mark territory. When you, when Abraham built an altar in a particular location, what he was saying is this, I claim this territory as belonging to my God. I am marking this place out as holy place, as, as holy ground. This belongs to God. When you build an altar in your life, you are saying, my life belongs to Jesus. I am holy ground. When you build an altar of worship and devotion in your home, you are saying, this home belongs to Jesus. There's a banner over this house, belongs to him. When you build an altar, even as a church, wherever we gather, wherever we locate, that is our altar to God. And we are claiming this territory, this location for the kingdom. Um, so let's just look uh, briefly at the four altars that Abraham built in his life. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Genesis 12. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 6 and 7. It says, Abraham traveled throughout the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abraham comes to a place called Morah and there he builds an altar to God. Uh, the name uh, Morah, it means teacher or oracle. It's a place of wisdom. It's a place of understanding and it's a place of learning. Where do we get our teaching from? Where do we get our wisdom and our understanding from? Where do we learn about God and his will for our lives? I want to suggest to you it's from the word of God. Have we built an altar for the word of God in our lives? Remember, an altar is something that is structured. An altar is something that we build. Those that have built an altar for the word of God in their lives have made the word of God and feeding on the word of God one of their highest goals and one of their highest priorities. It's more than just listening to a 20-minute talk on a Sunday morning. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Give us this day our daily bread. Who knows, you can't survive on just a morsel of bread a week for very long. No, you need to feast on the word. You need to devour the word. You need to have a hunger in your lives for the word of God. When we build that altar for the word, 
We are marking off our lives as holy ground because it's the word of God that renews our minds. It's the word of God that keeps our hearts pure. It's the word of God that directs our steps. Can you say amen? The word of God is a place of wisdom. The word of God is where we can know the mind and the will and the heart of God. It says here that this, um, it was by the great tree of Morah at Shechem. The, the name Shechem, it means shoulder, which speaks of strength. Who knows the word of God is where we get our strength from. If we want to be strong, if we want to be mighty, if we want to be build, build our faith, then we have to have the altar of the Word of God in our lives. The Word of God is where we find strength. The Word of God is creative. The Word of God gives us life. The Word of God is living and eternal. The Word of God is that which sustains us. The Word of God is spiritual food for spiritual survival. The Word of God transforms us. The Word of God is our foundation. The word of God is God breathed and God indwelt. The word of God is fire for our hearts. It's water for our minds. It's honey for our souls. When I think of building an altar for the word, I'm immediately reminded of the parable that Jesus told of the two builders. We all know the story. One guy builds on sand, one guy builds on the rock. When the storm comes, when tribulation and trial comes, the guy who builds his house on the sand, it washes away. But the one who builds on the rock, that house is able to stand anything any battering, any storm, any obstacle, that house, that life, that person, that home, that family is able to sustain. And Jesus said, the rock is those that hear my word, do it, apply it in their lives. They're people that have built an altar for the word of God in their lives. Amen. Let's keep reading. Um, verse 8. Um, from there, he, Abraham, went on toward the hills east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. The second altar that Abraham built. And it says this time he called on the name of the Lord. And I, I studied what that word call means. And it means he shouted. In other words, he wasn't just kind of saying a token prayer. He was getting into it a bit. He was showing some passion. He was showing some zeal. He, he was getting um, enthusiastic, can we use that word, uh, about crying out and calling on God. That word call, it also means um, sustained. So in other words, it wasn't just a one-time thing. Abraham, this was a process. We don't know if it was days, weeks, months, years. But Abraham, uh, for a long period of time, was calling on God. And it also means to ask for help. So my, trans, uh, my, my kind of translation paraphrase of this is that Abraham built an altar. And for a long period of time, he passionately zealously cried out to God for help. This is an altar of prayer. The first was an altar for the word. This is an altar for prayer. An altar that we build and we say, right, I am building this structure into my life. I am building a prayer life. 
Who knows that a prayer life is something that you build? Yeah? It doesn't just happen by chance. If you meet someone and that's a man, that's a woman, and you say, they're a man of prayer, they're a woman of prayer, that, they don't just pray when they feel like it. There's a structure that they're built into their life that, that come rain or shine, whether they feel like it or they don't feel like it, in the good times and the bad, they have built a structure, an altar, where they pray, they call, they cry out, and they seek the face of God. Jesus said, didn't he, my house shall be a house of prayer. Uh, of course, we, the, the, the house being the, the church, the house of God, you know, prayer should be our highest value as a church. Uh, you know, we should be uh, making sure, whether it be prayer storm, whether it be an in-person prayer meeting, we should make sure we've got a priority to be where prayer is happening. Not only the church, but of course our lives as well. I'm a, I want to be a mobile house of prayer. Our homes should be houses of prayer where we have an altar that we've set up and it's we are a house of prayer devoted to God. Um, you remember um, Elijah on Mount Carmel where he, he calls a fire down from heaven? And I love, um, I always find it really moving that before he calls a fire down, it says Elijah began to rebuild the altar of God that was in ruins. You know, there can be no fire without an altar. Sometimes the reason why there's no fire in our lives and we're, we feel lukewarm and stale and apathetic is because we've not built the altar of prayer. Sometimes the reason why there's no fire in our churches is because we've not built the altar of prayer. But if like Israel, our altar of prayer has fallen down, you know what, today's a good day to rebuild it. Today's a good day. You know, September's a, it's a good month, isn't it, to start again. I always think September, January, they're good months to go. You know what? I, I'm going to go again. I'm going uh, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna build some new structure into my life right now where I'm going to make that altar of prayer a priority. Prayer changes us. Prayer enables us to access the promises of God. Prayer brings us before the throne. Prayer defeats the enemy. Prayer pulls down strongholds. And prayer changes the atmosphere. And I love this image as well. It says that there was Bethel on one side, which was the house of God. And then there was Ai, which belonged to the Canaanites on the other. And Abraham right in the middle, praying. You know, that's a bit like our world, isn't it? That on one side, we've got the kingdom of God that wants to break in. And on the other side, we've got the kingdom of the enemy where he wants to steal, kill and destroy. And right in the middle, there's us. And are we building that altar of prayer? It reminds me of a story that Ian Christiansen tells where he went to a church that was on a, on kind of a, there was a row of houses in a city. And on one end of the street, there was a mosque. And on the other end of the street, there was a church. And the mosque, several times a day, were gathering to pray. And the church, apart from on a Sunday, was shut. And God spoke and said, the spirit realm belongs to the highest bidder. In other words, th there, are, there are the dark forces that are, that are at work. And if the church hasn't built that altar of prayer, darkness will take over. But where's, where there's an altar of prayer, darkness cannot stand. Amen.
Uh, let me move quickly on. Um, Genesis 13. Um, verse 18. It says, So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. It's the third altar that Abraham built. What's interesting is this, that in the context of that passage, what's just happened to Abraham is that he's had a falling out with his nephew Lot. Remember there was quarreling between Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen and they, they disconnected. Abraham had gone one way, Lot had gone the other way. Abraham had given Lot the choice. You can have the best land or you can have the worst land and Lot being a good selfless person decided, I'll take the best land. So Abraham has just had a relationship breakup. Who knows they're painful? They can hurt. And immediately after this relationship has broken down, he builds an altar in a place called Mamre. And that name means friendship. Isn't that fascinating that the first thing Abraham does after a relationship breakdown is build an altar where he commits himself to friendship. Who knows that friendship, fellowship, to give it the Christian word, who knows it's important? Man shall, um, it's not good for man to be alone. That's what the Bible says. Don't forsake gathering together um, as a church community. Um, Count Zinzendorf said uh, that there could be no Christianity without community. We know all this. But who knows that sometimes as you do in life in the church, I wish it wasn't like this, but I guess it's the nature of being among fallen people. Even, even people that love Jesus are still fallen people. And who knows that we hurt each other? Who knows we can, we can feel disappointed. We can get overlooked for stuff. We can get irritated and annoyed by stuff. Um, we can maybe feel that other people are receiving what we should receive. All kinds of things where relationships break down. And it can be so easy, can't it, just to keep our distance or to get offended or to get bitter or to carry those scars. But I want to encourage us to do what Abraham did and say, you know what? I'm going to build an altar of fellowship despite what I've just been through. I'm going to commit to fellowship. I'm going to commit to community. I'm going to commit to being part of the body of Christ because we need each other. And you know what that does? That builds character. When you uh, keep your heart pure, when you keep your heart right, when you forgive, when you show humility, the character, the strength that that, that builds within you is absolutely invaluable. Um, uh, just very quickly, and then we'll come to the last one. But the New Testament word for fellowship, some of you will know, uh, it's the, the Greek word uh, koionia. I'd, nev I'd never pronounce the Greek words right, but um, who cares? Um, and it, it's, it's where we get, uh, it's, it means fellowship. Um, but fellowship in the New Testament is a little bit different to what we think of as fellowship. Because we often think of fellowship as um, just being around. Um, so, you know, uh, Stuart and Sandra might put on a barbecue at their home and I might go and attend and say, oh, I'm fellowshipping 
with them and with, with whoever else they invite or, or just being here this morning. We're fellowshipping together. But actually that word uh, koionia, if that's how you say it, um, it means to share. It means a partnership. In other words, it's not just being around Christians. There's an aspect of serving a ministry and getting involved as well. That is true Christian fellowship. Paul tells us in Ephesians, that's how the church grows. As every part of the body does its work. And so again, a great time to, to relaunch and reset our lives in September after 18 months of doing nothing. Or doing note, as we'd say in Barnsley. I want to rebuild that altar of fellowship. Not only am I going to be committed to, to the body of Christ that God's put me in, but I'm going to get involved. Where can I serve? Where can I minister? Where can I get my hands dirty? What can I do to build that altar of fellowship in my life? So it's the altar of prayer, the altar of the word, the altar of fellowship. And the last one, Genesis 22. This was a hard one. This is a hard one. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there. And he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Who knows, this was a tough altar to build. Prayer, yeah, that's fun. Fellowship, that's fun. Word of God, love it. Build an altar where you sacrifice your son and kill him. It's not easy, is it? This was a, an altar that was painful. I, I imagine that, that Abraham built this altar and he was wiping the tears from his eyes as he was building it. Abraham didn't understand. God, why are you asking me to do this? This was painful. This was costly. But this was the ultimate example of trust. Abraham knew God has said the promise is going to be fulfilled through Isaac. So I don't know how God is going to do it. The Bible says Abraham even reckoned God would raise Isaac from the dead again. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he is going to do it. Me and Abraham, me and Isaac are both coming down this mountain because God has promised it. This is what it says. What is this altar? Verse 5. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. This was the altar of worship. Do you know that this is the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible? See, worship is more than singing songs. Worship, Paul mentioned it earlier, it's a sacrifice of praise. It's praising and loving God even when we're going through the storm. It's worshiping God even when we don't understand it's trusting that somehow everything is going to be okay, even though it doesn't make sense. It's no matter how I feel, I am worshipping anyway. And when you build an altar of worship in your life like that, when you say no matter what we're going through, we're going to worship God. It says Abraham looked up 
and there was the lamb. When you worship, no matter what, you are preparing a platform for God to provide, for God to reveal himself. The altar, <laughs> let me remember them, uh, the altar of the word, the altar of prayer, the altar of fellowship, the altar of worship. Let me finish in two minutes. Acts chapter 2. Maybe three minutes. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They, it's the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is worship, and to prayer. The same four altars that Abraham built 4,000 years ago were the same four altars that the early church built 2,000 years ago. See, what we've looked at this morning is dead simple, but it's timeless. It's eternal. Fellowship, the word, worship, prayer. Absolute foundations, but so easy to neglect. But Abraham built these things into his life. The early church built these things into their lives. And what was the result? Abraham lived under an open heaven. The church lived under an open heaven. And if we want the same, we have to build these things into our lives as well.